I won't keep you long, just like last week. I won't keep you long at all. But I've got, a, I've got something I want to share, and we'll, we'll leave. It says, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men. Therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify one another. Go back to the, the first, JT. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but it's righteousness, it's peace, and it's joy in the Holy Ghost. Amen? Father, we ask you right now for your blessing on your word. We love you so much. We thank you for the worship and your presence that we felt today, God. Help me, Lord Jesus. Let them only see you today. We'll give you the glory and honor, all of it, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to talk to you today about joy. A couple weeks ago, we talked about Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He came that we would have peace. And I look at the church as a whole today. I talk to a lot of pastors. I talk to a lot of Christians. And I see that there is something missing in the life of most believers Yes, peace is missing, and I, I pray that we become a church that is sound in the very peace of God that passes understanding. But the other side of the gospel message is joy. And listen, it's not your joy, it's joy in the Holy Ghost. John 17, Jesus is praying his last prayer, and he says, God, Father, I give them my joy. You're not going to get the joy. It's not happiness. Don't confuse it. There's going to be some people Monday night that are happy. There's going to be some people that are sad, depending on what state you're in. And that happiness can fleet and fade so easy when life comes. Amen? You can be up there and you can be happy. Listen, that what is what makes us different from the world. Just like with peace, the peace that God gives is not absence of turmoil and trouble, it's the peace that in the middle of the storm, you haven't lost your mind. It's the same way with joy. Every time we see each other, there should be joy. Every time we meet, there should be joy. Look at Psalms 100, JT. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all you land. A joyful shouts, whatever that says. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with singing. Now listen, I want to ask you something this week. As we, as the body of Christ, are we serving God with gladness? Is there a song in our heart of deliverance? No, we serve him and we moan and we groan and we gripe and we complain. He had to write in John and said, the commandments of God are not grievous. Serving God is not a hard, grievous thing. It's the opposite. The way of the transgressor is hard. We have to believe that again in the body of Christ. Do you serve him with gladness? Do you come before his presence? I don't care if you can sing or don't sing. Do you come before him with just the melody in your heart that you're saved? Not just from now, but forever. I, one of those hymns we were singing, it says for joy forever we're going to sing. And I was like, yeah, there it is. Amen. I want to show you something. You can, you can keep going through Psalms 100 and everybody's like, we know it. The reason... I met with a pastor Friday night, dear friend of mine. Pastor's right down the road. He started a thing called Seca Racing. 
with 50 guys. He said, the goal of Seca is we're not going to race on Sundays because that's when races usually are. We're going to start on Saturdays. And before everyone, we're going to give a devotion. Now, Paul and Hank can testify to what I'm about to say. They've seen it. People get saved all the time there. He said, man, it went from 50 to just booming. More guys than I know what to do with. From kids all the way up. And he said, people ask me, how are you successful? And he said, I don't know. I'm doing the same thing I did when I was 50. We come, we race, we give trophies. And he said, what I got to figure in is, guys liked it and they loved it. And they went and told their buddies, hey, come race with us. This is awesome. This is a good environment. It's fun. It's great. We have a good time. And they started telling everybody. He said, we started growing. And he said, and so now he's been the pastor over a year at his church. And he's like, what's the problem? They're like, yeah, I get it. He's like, they can tell everybody they know about Seca racing. And they bring and it grows and it grows and it grows and it grows. And he says, and I sit in the same church and there's no growth. There's nobody excited. There's nobody saying, hey, come to the house of the Lord with me. Hey, when you come to God's house, there's a presence of God here. Hey, come to church. Listen, I want you to ask yourself something. Don't you dare think about anybody else. I want you to say, when's the last time you got filled with joy and started telling people about the church? It ain't about the church. It's about the Jesus of the church. If Seca Racing can grow, why can't Evangel grow? Well, I'll tell you why. When the members don't have the joy of the Lord, who in the world would want to come there? Man, I got to go to Sunday school. Man, I got to get up and go to church. Poor you. If you had national championship tickets, you wouldn't have no problem getting up. Oh, no, that's where your heart is. It's the joy, right? It's our job as the ministry team to give you an A-plus platform where you want to invite people to come to, I understand that side of it. Amen. But it's the heart of every member filled with joy. I was thinking about how the youth group grew. And people would ask me, how is it growing? I'm like, I don't know. These kids were coming here, and they were finding the person they had longed for named Jesus. It's not oversimplified. It's the truth. And they were going out to their schools, and they were telling everybody. Karen Decker is here because she, I wouldn't answer my cell phone because some strange number kept calling it. And I was like, I'm not answering a strange number. And all of a sudden she shows up at this church and says, hey, I got to meet you because I've noticed something. Every kid that comes into first priority at Gardendale, when I see a difference in them, I ask them, where do you go to church? They say, this church. I want to know what's going on at this church. Wow, let's look in the past. That's great. Thank God for the past. Boy, we can gloat in that past, can't we? I'm comfortable in the past. Boy, I remember when. Man, those youth camp services were. I'll tell you something, and you might not like this, and I might be just too blunt. 
I don't need Teen Challenge women to come here to make us feel good. We should be, when they come here, thank God they came here. I go speak every Friday that I can up there. I've got, I've already on the books. I'm going up there and minister to them. I love it. We love it as a group to go up there. Listen, but I'm not dependent on Women's Teen Challenge to keep the church looking full. It's the member's job. They got to get the joy of the Lord again. So what's the problem? Well, Psalm 61, I didn't give this to JT, says, in his presence is a fullness of joy. Okay? So I'm going to look in my mirror at me, not anybody else, and I'm going to say, is Jonathan's joy full? Depends on what day it is. Why? Because only in his presence are you going to get it. It's, it's not a fake thing. I don't know if it's 100 degrees in here or I got a sweater on. You guys look like y'all are dead. Can you wake up? Let's go. Get with me today. This is not a Presbyterian church. This is talking about joy. I'm not even preaching on hell. Our money. Y'all look like I'm talking about hell today. Let's go. Nehemiah, put it up there. Get with me. And all the people went their way to eat bread and to drink and send portions and rejoice greatly because they understood the words the Lord declared. You start, it's verse 9. But we'll go, I can flip there. Let's just do this. I'll just tell you what it is. Everybody knows the scripture, the joy of the Lord is our strength, right? So I'm reading that story, and it says Ezra opens his Bible, and everybody stands. There's something in that right there. There was a reverence. Now listen, we're in the New Testament. We don't have traditions. You don't have to stand when the Bible's opened. I've seen preachers do all that stuff. That's fine. That's their business. But God, God understands. God talks to me sitting in my car all the time. He, he doesn't need, we're in the new covenant. But they had a reverence, and we need to keep that reverence. When that book was opened, and they begin to hear the law, and this is where I think we are in the church. They begin to hear the scriptures, and it hadn't been read to them in a while. And they begin to see the standard, and they begin to understand how holy God is. And they begin to understand this is the only way to get to God is through holiness and right living and righteousness. And all of a sudden, it says they went to their tents. Sorrowful. Back to the grievous. They only understood that the Bible was grievous. I can't live that, Sister Paula. You read, hey, love your enemies. Bless those that curse you. And you're like, I don't know if I can live that. And we go to our tents and we leave our church services and we say, that's great. And I understand it was a good move. But that is something I can't do. And Nehemiah jumps up. You've got to read this. He's like, hey, this is a day of rejoicing. This is a day that we should celebrate. Yes, we can't do it. We've never been able to do it. Now under the new covenant, he saw something. And he said, the joy of the Lord, not your joy, not something you get from inside yourself. The joy of the Lord, when he gets in your presence, you get in his presence and you begin to overflow. His joy is now your driving force. Right? All right, we don't feel so Presbyterian right now. Let's go. It's time we're excited again. It's time, you know, we talk about the sacrifices of righteousness where I make myself go to church. That is not a lifestyle. That is a season. Hello. Man, when we first got saved, 
we all understood always that we were going to go to heaven to see him. We didn't care about the small stuff. We didn't care about the stuff that stole our joy. Let me share something with you. One more scripture. Go to the book of Numbers. 21, 4 through 7. It says, Then they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea. Listen to this. You, you have to get this. They are now passing back by the Red Sea. Have to understand where they are. You got to get this. To go around the land of Edom and the soul of the people became very discouraged. And the, the scripture I read says, because of the way. Did I give you the, the next one? And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die? For there's no food, there's no water, water and our souls load this worthless bread, the manna that's keeping them alive. Verse 6. Did I give it to you? If you don't, that's okay. We can. Listen. I'm reading this. It says, So the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and many of the people of Israel died. And that's where I want to stop with it. And listen, there's an awesome sermon in that, because the very thing that bit them is the very thing they had to look at to be healed. It was a serpent on a stick. It's pretty cool. But what I want to point out to you is they are on the banks of their deliverance spot. They are on the shore. God has led them back to the place where they had victory, where Moses reached his rod out and parted the Red Sea. Not only parted the Red Sea, you've got to remember, these people in the back of their mind were going to always be worried about their past, their enemy coming back on them. No matter how far they got away, and God said, I'm going to completely destroy your past. Does that not sound like salvation? He delivered us from the miry clay. He walked us through. And then he said, I'll take my blood and I will destroy your past. Amen. And we're shouting the victory and they're shouting and they're singing. And the way gets a little hard and it doesn't work out quite the way they want it to work out. And all of a sudden, instead of rejoicing and remembering what God could do, they begin to bellyache. You want to kill your joy? You want to invite fiery serpents into your life? Murmur. Just become a murmur. See everything wrong and everything negative. I don't even know why all this is happening to me. I know. Listen to your last 10 years of conversation. 10 months, he said. We'll go back to 10 days. Some of you will go 10 minutes. You can see everything is so wrong. And you don't even look that where you're belly aching, right beside you is the place of deliverance. I don't care what you're going through today. There was a Red Sea in your life when it started and it parted and God will still part the Red Sea today. That's where the joy comes in. It might not be how you want it. Well, I thought we were going to go to the promised land. Yeah, me too. I thought by now that we would be in heaven, really. 
I saw the way the earth is turning and I saw the way the love of many is waxing cold and I really thought by 2018 we would already be in glory. I long for that. There's nothing anymore that will make me as happy as when I think about and that joy fills my heart when I think about the Jesus Christ himself is going to serve us. He's going to touch our feet. He's going to serve us food. I'm glad it's eternity because I'm going to hug him for 300 years myself. I'm just going to not let go. No, 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 I'm not done. Because when we look over at hell and we really realize what he's delivered us from, we can think about it now. But listen, hell's a terrible place. Because in hell, there's no escape. There's no hope in hell. There's your memory in hell, which you can remember all the things you should have done. But you know, if you said, I'm going to burn for a hundred million years, and then I can get out on a hundred million and one, there's hope. There's no getting out. It's real. Listen, and and Wednesday night I'm going to talk about once the snake bites you, these people did something that was truly amazing. They repented for the first time I can read it. They went to Moses and said, we're sorry. And we know why they were sorry. Because they were fiery snakes, which means they were burning. And they were watching their friends puff up and die. And the ones that were alive were like, I'm sorry. Okay, but I saw something in that. We're going to talk Wednesday night. The church needs repentance again. There's a lot of us that acknowledge that we have the problem. We're like, well, we're going to do better. And, and you could hear the sermon and be like, yeah, you know, I really am going to change and try to be, try to, it's not your joy. You can't try to be. It's the joy of the Lord is our strength. Now, in repentance, Psalms 51, he says, I acknowledge my sin. I sinned only against you. Some of us today, it's okay to tell God, my mouth in 2017 has been sinning. Hello? I am being bit, Lord, by fiery serpents, and it's my fault. And I want to tell you that I am sorry that I hurt you, Lord. And then he says, now that I've in sin, and now I've gotten away from your presence, and now my joy is gone. He says, restore unto me the joy of my salvation, of your salvation. Restore back to me to remember what it was like when I knew that you saved me, not just for here, but forever. Restore that joy back to me. Amen. We come to the Lord and serve him with gladness. Listen, I told Bethany, we're, we're men are men, and all of us have trouble preaching because the American church today has become so performance-based. I have to shake it off. Sometimes you, you're studying for a sermon, your week's busy, you're trying to hear from God, and you can go and you're like, man, if I don't bring it to the church, you know, they're kind of like, well, man, that was just an okay. So you, you feel it, and I was like, I don't care. I'm not letting that pressure build on me to perform. I'm giving you what God told me. And listen, 
I'm telling you, there's the missing link back to sacred racing. If evangel is going to grow, it's going to be because people get back in the presence of God and because the joy of the Lord comes back in their life and they ain't got time for all that stuff that the crows and the pigeons, they're going to soar with the eagles and they're going to see the vision of God and they're going to turn their eyes back up just like when they got bit by the fiery serpent. They had to look up and quit looking at all their problems even though, hey, you might be here to and you might be guilty in your sin who cares look back to the cross he's always there that is the joy of your salvation that it's never been about you that it's always about him look back up I don't care if you blew it big time last night who cares about that look back at the cross Judas went and repented to the people that didn't matter should have never done this they didn't care Peter jumped in and went right to the source. He didn't even really have anything to say. I wish so many times in my life that I could have seen that moment. Some of us look like that sometimes. We knew we blew it. And Jesus walks in the room in worship. And we go running to him and then we're like, there's that awkward She's like, hey, what, what do you got there? Oh, it's, it's some fish. Oh, well, I've already got fish over here. You ever wonder about that? They're already cooking. It's ready to eat. Captain D's number two. Special combo. Got the tartar sauce ready. And they're dragging the fish in, and he's like, I got a question for you. Do you love me? Yes, I love you. Then walk, get back to work. Get back to taking care of my people. Peter, do you love me? Or do you know I love you? Go take care of my little ones. He never one time brought it up. If you'll come today, he will restore to you the joy of his salvation. And it's beautiful. He'll give you the garment of praise for your heavy broken season. And you'll say it's all him and the joy that flows. I love that song in the garden and the joy we, sh the joy we share as we tarry. Peter, I got a question for you. You love me? Listen, all these great Bible study guys can go into philios and adomos and all these weird words. I'm... I'm just going to read it in English and it says love. Do you agape me? Do you Philadelphia me? I don't care. Philios, who cares? He asked him, did he love him? I want you to see something. And I'm going to close. Papa said when I make a point, I whisper and I got to quit doing that. <laughs> just thought about it. The third time, Peter's mad. He's like, you know everything. You know I love you. Which tells me, number one, his temper hadn't been dealt with yet. You stay with me. He's still, he's still got a little fire in him. All right? And he says, hey, I know. I need you to know. Get back to work. So you think the story ends there? No, he's going to mess up again. 
Just give him time. He's right there in the middle of this great encounter. And they're walking away. And he's like, me and Jesus walking away from all the boys. And all of a sudden, the one that loves him starts tagging along. I see that in church a lot of times. We just want it to be us and Jesus. We don't really want anybody else tagging along because we don't get all that glory. See, I walked off in the sunset with Jesus. And he's like, hey, Lord, what about this dude? Isn't it funny? A lot of us lose our joy because we're so worried about what about this dude? Hello? Oh, I know what I am because y'all got that look like, oh, I wasn't ready for that. Yeah, right there in the midst of this great moment. Listen, if you don't read John 21 a million times, you're missing out as a believer on some great dessert. It's nothing but straight up pumpkin pie or whatever you like. Pecan pie, it's just delicious. Every time you read it, it shows you the very heart of our Jesus. And in the middle of that great thing, he says, yeah, but what about him? Jesus is like, what, what does it matter about him? What if I want him to live forever? And it says, and you know how people gossip, the rumor went on that John was going to live forever. Which I'll be honest with you, if I was in that time, I would have believed that after they bowled him and he didn't die. And he was alive on a shipwrecked island. I'd be like, yeah, well, he's not going to die. <laughs> he's going to live forever. But so many people lose their joy they are having the greatest encounter of their life and they're walking with the very one they love and they start looking at other people. What about so-and-so? They don't seem to be doing right. Did you just forget that quick you were the one that denied him? I love it though. Because it teaches me something. That same Peter's shadow was going by and healing people. He still had problems. I'm glad the Bible's raw and it just shows it. How good God is in spite of us. And Brother Paul shows up and rebukes him. Now don't you think Peter thought he had pretty much arrived? I'll tell y'all. If you line up a bunch of crippled people outside today, and my shadow, it's a pretty big shadow too, so I'm going to cut you a lot of surface mass, starts healing people. Y'all going to have to pray for me because I'm going to be on a level in my mind that I'm not ready for. And I think Peter got a little tripped up in that. And Paul's like, hey, you got a little problem. You show favoritism. You say, hey, it's for the Jews and the Gentiles, but when the elite Jews come in, you don't want to act like you know the Gentiles. Did his shadow heal people in spite of that? It did. What has he got the Lord teaching us? Some of you don't have joy because you're a perfectionist. Amen. You got one group that's looking around, what's everybody doing? What's everybody doing? They don't have any joy because they're the safety patrol of the church. And then you got this other group. That are so unjoyful. Because they know they're not perfect. 
Now, godly sorrow works through repentance. There's a, it's okay to be sorrowful to God that you offended him. But there's a fine line there where you stop working while he's fixing you. Amen? Now, everybody in this church will say, yeah, he's going to perfect us all the way till the end of our lives. Yeah, but if you're not living in joy, those people in Ezra's day, they heard the word and they were sorrowful because they realized they had totally missed it. If you're in here today and you're discouraged because you know you haven't been doing right, you listen to me. The Lord is the best at using imperfect people. He gets glory from it. And if you'll let him, just like Peter, he worked all these things out of his life. He got his mouth finally under control. And then he started dealing with some other things. He's going to deal with you. It's not because he's mad at you. It's not because you're dirty, rotten. It's because if we are in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with the other. And the blood of Jesus Christ has cleansed us from all sin. The more you're in the light, the more you see. Listen, there's some of you who are on levels with God that people don't don't get you things that are sin to you that baby Christians don't even have a clue about yet. Because when you start getting on the mature meat, you can't sit and watch cussing. Well, that's grievous. I can't watch my favorite moves. You don't know God. You need to come back to Him because there's something better than a movie. There's a power that raised our Jesus from the dead that he wants to give you. I don't put that standard on new Christians. They're trying to figure it out. A lot of people are like, the church are full of hypocrites. No, they're not. They're full of immature Christians. They got to grow. Darcy is not just driving around a real car right now. Now she thinks that hot rod's a real car. <laughs> she has to grow. That's why Peter wrote and said, grow in the grace that's in Jesus Christ. And then he says another place, as sincere babes, grow by the milk of the word. The sincere milk of the word. Don't miss that. That's the Bible sincere. It, it's, I want our church to be a place of joy. Yes. And this is not a want. The Lord laid this on my heart today because he knows a lot of people have lost their joy. They're not serving him with gladness anymore. They're not coming before him. I remember when I first got saved. Man, every time I hit the shower, every time I hit anywhere, I would just begin to sing. How great is our God. Then you go into he's the name above all names. And you don't even care who's listening because you're only singing to him. He's worthy of all praise. My heart will sing how great. And all of a sudden, the joy of the Lord, because in his presence is fullness of joy. Last scripture, 1 Peter. It might be 2 Peter. It's 1 Peter. In this you greatly rejoice, that though now for a little while, look at this. If though now for a little while, if need be, you've been grieved. Keep this up by various trials. Some of you today, this is why I'm going to close with this. Don't understand the trial you're in. You don't understand. Notice how this doesn't say you've been grieved by the same trial. If you've got the same trial going on, that's called sin, <laughs> and it's called a besetting sin. If you just keep, if the devil just can take you down with the same thing. 
But when the devil starts to hit you from every way, look, listen, he a lot of times will not just hit you straight on because he knows if he hits you straight on, you're going to your knees and all of a sudden all the angels are going to be dispatched because the angels of the Lord are encamped around those that fear him. So what he'll do is he'll hit you with your kids and he'll hit you with your coworkers and he'll hit you with this. And he'll let this person go. It'll be hits. And he'll be hitting you. And you'll be so tired of being hitting. You'll say out loud, when will this stop? When? And you become weary. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. And some of you are acting like you've never seen this part. If the devil had never got you here, I'm scared about your salvation. You might be a church person and not a born-again believer. Because born-again believers have to endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. I like that it don't even say that it's just your fault. I got a lot of times that I'm getting grieved by Satan because it's my fault. I didn't do what I was supposed to do. Amen. And you look around at the church and it's the last days and seducing spirits are waxing worse and worse and doctrines of devils are loosed on the church. Listen, there's a movement right now in the Birmingham area about flat earth. Ever I go, I'm hearing about it. I've had to sit quiet. Somebody pinned me down at a ball game and started talking to me and I wanted to just come unglued and I just was like, I got to represent Jesus right here. I'm just going to be, oh, that's a good theory, flat earth. I'm thinking NASA's got a problem with your flat earth theory. And I'm also, before that, I learned in private school when I was six that the Lord sits on the circle of the earth. That's Isaiah 42 if you want to read it. Can't be flat. So there's all these weird things tripping people up. I mean, I scratch my head when I, like, flat earth, huh? Like, remember that time that we were up in space and we took a picture of the earth and it was round? I don't need the Bible. I just need a brain on that one. But there's all these things tripping people up in the church. So they've got, they've got this, what do I believe? What's going on? Who is God? And then they've got family crisis going on. And they've got all this stuff. And they're walking into the house of God and they're broken. You ever said out loud, I'm tired of fighting? <laughs> well, we got real today, didn't we? What? No, ooh, it's holy. No, 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 it's a fight. Peter didn't hide it. Various trials that grieve you. And just when you think you stepped out of one, ever been there? Boom, something else. Okay, I've beat this point to death, right? Verse 7. That the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perish, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory. Keep that there. God is not really worried about the trial. Listen to me. When I was a young Christian, God showed me something that has helped me so much. He has a hedge about every believer. It's like this. And there are seasons that Job teaches us where he does this. And you get hit from every way. You never remember or realize you're not going anywhere because his hand is still under you. You're not escaping the hand of God. What can separate us from the love of God? Nothing, but you're in it. But every, every demon in hell is getting a shot at you. 
Everything's happening to you and you're so frustrated and he's telling you you're going down and you realize you're becoming carnal. Yes, sometimes in the trial we get carnal. God could care less about that. What he really cares about is, is when you get out of the trial, you understand his hand is always under you. There's nothing you can do. He's going to keep his hand under you. And all of a sudden... The next time you start getting hit or a friend gets hit, somebody gets hit, you say, just keep the course. I'm telling you, God, is he's, God, before he spoke the earth in existence, he already had the lamb slain and he already knew your trial. He's not scared. He's not worried about it. And when you come out of it, you got a faith that's tried by fire. Now we can move mountains. Amen. Verse 8, my last scripture. How many of you guys relate to this? Whom you haven't seen him, you love him. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable or inexpressible. You can't say it, and it's full of glory. I want you to see a Christian life is always full of joy. Now, it just said they didn't have anything going right. Everything was going wrong. But in the, they said, even though you're going through these trials, you have joy. And it's not just a little touch every now and then. You have a full joy. Amen. Now, how funny is that? That used to, when I preached this all the time, I used to talk about it was for the altar service. Oh, joy, unspeakable, full of glory. Let me tell you something. That's what's wrong. We've made everything about this altar And we haven't made enough about our private life that we live all the rest of our life. The joy unspeakable and full of glory that you rejoice in a trial can be driving down the road in your car, can be at night when you, listen, if you don't have a place that you go to pray in your house, shame on you. You go today and you find you somewhere and say, this is where me and God will meet. This is my house. Well, you marked a place for the TV, didn't you? I'm just going to sit there. That's kind of weird. No, the reason you're not praying is because you don't have a place to meet with God. And yes, you can do it driving down the road of your car, but I'm telling you, you still got to focus, I hope. You're not 100% in it. But there's that time, maybe at night. It does, he's not looking for two hours. It might just be where you come after work for 15 minutes and just sit with him. It might be five. Your schedule might only allow that. Amen? Amen. Make a place in your house. If it's a room. Dad was talking to me the other day about when God called me to preach in his house. And it reminded me, we had a basement room. And that's where I met with God. Oh, I miss that place. I could just lay on the floor and be with God. He's calling us back to that so that our joy will be filled. Now, you're going to hear me say this sacred racing story about a billion times, so just get ready. If we believe in what's going on and we've got joy, we're going to tell people. Amen. Everybody stand with me.